Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Chapter 63 of Lorna Doone. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Harris. Lorna Doone by R. D. Blackmore. Chapter 63. John is Worsted by the Women. Moved as I was by Annie's tears and gentle style of coaxing, and most of all by my love for her, I yet declared that I could not go and leave our house and homestead, far less my dear mother and Lizzie, at the mercy of the merciless dunes. "'Is that all your objection, John?' asked Annie, in her quick panting way. "'Would you go but for that, John?' Now, I said, be in no such hurry, for while I was gradually yielding, I liked to pass it through my fingers as if my fingers shaped it. There are many things to be thought about, and many ways of viewing it. Oh, you never can have loved Lorna. No wonder you gave her up so. John, you can love nobody but your oat-ricks and your hay-ricks. Sister mine, because I rant not, neither rave of what I feel, can you be so shallow as to dream that I feel nothing? What is your love for Tom Faggus? What is your love for your baby, pretty darling as he is, to compare with such a love as forever dwells with me? Because I do not prate of it, because it is beyond me, not only to express, but even form to my own heart and thoughts. Because I do not shape my face, and would scorn to play to it as a thing of acting, and lay it out before you, are you fools enough to think— but here I stopped, having said more than was usual for me. "'I am very sorry, John. Dear John, I am so sorry. What a shallow fool I am!' "'I will go seek your husband,' I said, to change the subject, for even to Annie I would not lay open all my heart about Lorna. "'But only upon condition that you insure this house and people from the dunes, meanwhile. Even for the sake of Tom I cannot leave all helpless.' The oat-ricks and the hay-ricks, which are my only love, they are welcome to make cinders of, but I will not have mother treated so, nor even little Lizzie, although you scorn your sister so. Oh, John, I do think you are the hardest, as well as the softest, of all the men I know. Not even a woman's bitter word, but what you pay her out for. Will you never understand that we are not like you, John? We say all sorts of spiteful things without a bit of meaning. "'John, for God's sake, fetch Tom home, and then revile me as you please, and I will kneel and thank you.' "'I will not promise to fetch him home,' I answered, being ashamed of myself for having lost command so. 
but I will promise to do my best, if we can only hit on a plan for leaving Mother harmless. Annie thought for a little while, trying to gather her smooth, clear brow into maternal wrinkles, and then she looked at her child and said, I will risk it, for Daddy's sake, darling, you precious soul, for Daddy's sake. I asked her what she was going to risk. She would not tell me, but took up her hand and saw to my cider cans and bacon, and went from corner to cupboard, exactly as if she had never been married, only without an apron on. And then she said, now to your mowers, John, and make the most of this fine afternoon. Kiss your godson before you go. And I, being used to obey her in little things of that sort, kissed the baby and took my cans and went back to my scythe again. By the time I came home it was dark night and pouring again with a foggy rain, such as we have in July even more than in January. Being soaked all through and through, and with water quelching in my boots, like a pump with a bad bucket, I was only too glad to find Annie's bright face and quick figure flitting in and out the firelight instead of Lizzie sitting grandly with a feast of literature and not a drop of gravy. Mother was in the corner also, with her cheery colored ribbons glistening very nice by candlelight, looking at Annie now and then, with memories of her babyhood, and then at her having a baby yet half afraid of praising her much for fear of that young Lizzie. But Lizzie showed no jealousy. She truly loved our Annie, now that she was gone from us, and she wanted to know all sorts of things, and she adored the baby. Therefore Annie was allowed to attend to me as she used to do. "'Now, John, you must start the first thing in the morning,' she said, when the others had left the room, but somehow she stuck to the baby, "'to fetch me back my rebel, according to your promise.' "'Not so,' I replied, misliking the job. "'All I promised was to go if this house were assured against any onslaught of the dunes.' "'Just so, and here is that assurance.' With these words she drew forth a paper and laid it on my knee with triumph, enjoying my amazement. This, as you may suppose, was great, not only at the document but also at her possession of it for in truth it was no less than a formal undertaking on the part of the dunes not to attack Plover's Barrow's farm, or molest any of the inmates, or carry off any chattels, during the absence of John Ridd upon a special errand. This document was signed not only by the counsellor, but by many other dunes. Whether Carver's name was there I could not say for certain, as of course he would not sign it under his name of Carver, and I had never heard Lorna say to what, if any, he had been baptized. In the face of such a deed as this, I could no longer refuse to go, and having received my promise, Annie told me, as was only fair, how she had procured that paper. It was both a clever and courageous act, and would have seemed to me, at first sight, far beyond Annie's power. But none may gauge a woman's power when her love and faith are moved. The first thing Annie had done was this. She made herself look ugly. This was not an easy thing, but she had learned a great deal from her husband upon the subject of disguises. It hurt her feelings not a little to make so sad a fright of herself, but what could it matter? If she lost Tom, she must be a far greater fright in earnest than now she was in seeming. And then she left her child asleep, under Betty Muxworthy's tendance, 
for Betty took to that child as if there never had been a child before, and away she went in her own spring-cart, as the name of that engine proved to be, without a word to any one, except the old man who had driven her from Mullen Parish that morning, and who coolly took one of our best horses, without by your leave to any one. Annie made the old man drive her within easy reach of the dune-gate, whose position she knew well enough from all our talk about it, and there she bade the old man stay until she should return to him. Then, with her comely figure hidden by a dirty old woman's cloak, and her fair young face defaced by patches and by liniments, so that none might covet her, she addressed the young man at the gate in a cracked and trembling voice, and they were scarcely civil to the old hag, as they called her. She said that she bore important tidings for Sir Counselor himself, and must be conducted to him. To him accordingly she was led, without even any hoodwinking, for she had spectacles over her eyes, and made believe not to see ten yards. She found Sir Counselor at home, and when the rest were out of sight, threw off all disguise to him, flashing forth as a lovely young woman from all her wraps and disfigurements. She flung her patches on the floor amid the old man's laughter, and let her tucked-up hair come down, and then went up and kissed him. "'Worthy and reverend counsellor, I have a favour to ask,' she began. "'So I should think from your proceedings,' the old man interrupted. "'Ah, if I were half my age!' "'If you were, I would not sue so. But, most excellent counsellor, you owe me some amends, you know, for the way in which you robbed me.' "'Beyond a doubt I do, my dear. You have put it rather strongly, and it might offend some people.' Nevertheless, I own my debt, having so fair a creditor. And do you remember how you slept, and how much we made of you, and would have seen you home, sir, only you did not wish it? And for excellent reasons, child, my best escort was in my cloak, after we made the cream to rise. Ha, <laughs> ha! The unholy spell! My pretty child, has it injured you? Yes, I fear it has, said Annie, or whence can all my ill luck come? and here she showed some signs of crying, knowing that Counselor hated it. "'You shall not have ill luck, my dear. I have heard all about your marriage to a very noble highwayman. Ah, you made a mistake in that. You were worthy of a dune, my child. Your frying was a blessing meant for those who can appreciate.' "'My husband can appreciate,' she answered very proudly. "'But what I wish to know is this. Will you try to help me?' The counsellor answered that he would do so if her needs were moderate, whereupon she opened her meaning to him and told of all her anxieties. Considering that Lorna was gone, and her necklace in his possession, and that I, against whom alone of us the dunes could bear any malice, would be out of the way all the while, the old man readily undertook that our house should not be assaulted, nor our property molested, until my return and to the promptitude of his pledge, two things, perhaps, contributed, namely, that he knew not how we were stripped of all defenders, and that some of his own forces were away in the rebel camp. For, as I learned thereafter, the dunes, being now in direct feud with the present government, and sure to be crushed if that prevailed, had resolved to drop all religious questions, and cast in their lot with Monmouth and the turbulent youths, being long restrained from their wanted outlet 